with the passing of House Bill 197, which provided emergency relief to Ohioans during the pandemic. This allows employees working from home to be treated as working at their quote unquote principal place of work. So, you know, as an example of myself, even though I, I may work from home about 80% of the time now, I, I'm still treated as working in independence. From Ray and Associates Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. On this weekly podcast, thought leaders and business professionals break down complicated and mundane topics and give you the tips and insight you actually need to grow as a leader while helping your organization to grow and thrive. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. And if you want access to even more information, show notes, and exclusive content, visit our website at www.raycpa.com podcast and sign up for updates. Even though the 2021 tax season is coming to an end, if you are a business owner, taxes should always be a topic of consideration, especially your tax obligations at the state and local tax levels. Today, Luke Lucas, Senior Manager on Ray & Associates State & Local Tax Team, is here to give us some insight into how different states, including our own Buckeye State, have responded to the CARES Act, federal tax updates, and ongoing nexus guidance. He will explain how state and local taxes impact businesses all year long and what you should do to minimize your liability. Welcome to Unsuitable, Luke. Thank you, Doug. It feels great to finally get on here with you. Yeah, great to have you on. That's uh, we we should have certainly done so sooner. We've got to get on on Joe. He needs to delegate that a little bit more more to you. He tends to take more of that spotlight himself. So we'll work on that. Yeah, he does enjoy it. <laughs> Absolutely, but so much important stuff with regard to state and local taxes, or as as we like to say, salt in in our world. Right, uh, a lot of consternation around you know, the CARES Act and and all of these things, you know, PPP and, you know, all of this stuff. And yet a lot of people didn't pay attention or or tended to ignore maybe the impact at at the state and local level, some of which has been addressed, some of which has not. So so can you give us maybe a quick overview on some of those things? Yeah. So I mean, I think you summed it up great. From my experience, it, it does seem like state and local tax sort of falls on the back burner sometimes and probably right, rightfully so, honestly, compared to federal taxation. But as everybody's aware, there's been a ton that's gone on in the past year with, with coronavirus, the government responses to it, both at the, the, the federal and state level. And the first topic I kind of wanted to, to bring up today was really just the state, the state responses to the CARES Act. And then, you know, with what was passed late December of 2020, the Consolidated Appropriations Act that really didn't end up being very taxpayer-friendly at the uh, federal level. Yeah, absolutely. So talk a little bit about, you know, some of those things and, and how they they impact, you know, state and local obligations. You know, in Ohio, obviously, we've got cat tax and, and all those things and some of what's been addressed and as far as that goes. Sure. Yeah. So to tee it up, you know, I'm, I'm going to focus on the Paycheck Protection Program deductibility since that really affects, I would say, most taxpayers, not only in the state of Ohio, but throughout our whole audience, even though this concept really applies to, to any provision that, that may get passed by the federal government. 
So to understand, we need to understand where the states are coming from and really what factors into this into their decision to see how they would treat this, this pay tech protection program deductibility. States, by and large, you know, they really don't want to hurt their, their economy. They want to be business friendly. So they don't want to, to react to this and hurt businesses that may already be struggling from COVID more than they already are. But the fact is, and I, I don't think a lot of people realize this, is unlike the federal government, states are actually required to maintain uh, balanced budgets. So that, that plays very heavily into their decision-making. And as I, as I brought up, the Consolidated Appropriations Act, which was passed on December 27th of 2020, it does now allow the deductibility of the, the Paytech Protection Program proceeds for federal tax purposes, which is certainly a big win for taxpayers. But be, being that it's passed so late in the year, the states are really now scrambling to assess the effect it's going to have on their state's budget. And of course, you know, after they analyze that effect, they have to get the legislation drafted and run through the system in order to get that approved if, if they do um, approve a taxpayer-friendly provision, which would be you know, allowing the deductibility of those expenses at the state level as well. Some states automatically follow the, the federal legislation, correct? But Ohio does not. We, we have to enact our own provisions, as it were, correct? Yeah, that's right. So without doing anything, a state may automatically allow the deduction or require it to be added back. And kind of what you're getting at here is this depends on the state's conformity date with the Internal Revenue Code. There, there are really two conformity types states out there, and they're either a rolling conformity state, so they'll automatically update and allow the PPP deduction unless legislation is passed to disallow it. And the other half is a fixed date conformity state, like Ohio is. And, and Ohio is, of course, uh, most relevant to our audience. And Ohio's current conformity date is March 27th of 2020. And that's, that coincidentally um, happens to be the date that the CARES Act was signed into law. Mm-hmm. So it does include some of those benefits and provisions. Um, but however, because it's, it's not, it has not been updated to December 27th of 2020, which is the date that the Consolidated Appropriations Act was passed, they need to update their conformity date to at least December 27th of 2020 to conform with the, the PPP deduction. I, I do. So actually just today, I, I did get an update that legislators are moving this, the bill, which is Senate Bill 18 along to allow a deduction. It was passed at the Ohio Senate by a, in, in favor of a vote of 32 to zero, and it's not the House. So with that 32 to zero Senate vote, I would say it's very highly likely that this will end up getting passed and will probably be passed by the time actually our listeners hear this podcast, just, yeah. just because it's such a time-sensitive matter. That's great. And the other piece I think that's in that too is is the for Ohio uh, specifically, the BWC dividends and rebates, which were massive, obviously, in, in 2020 for companies. And as I understand, currently, uh, they, those would have to be included in your cat tax calculation. Although, the, as you said, there's a, a big push to, to change that and not include that, correct? Yeah, I, I kind of feel like you're reading my mind here. Um, <laughs> so yeah, something else that is included in the bill... And this actually got added after the fact, but it's really, really been a, a, a big question mark that's came up recently. And, and that's ex- the exclusion of the 
the BWC refunds or dividends from the commercial activity tax base. So as you said, Doug, um, there are $8 billion with a B dollars issued in refunds in 2020 to, to help Ohio taxpayers. So it is pretty important and it can make a, a sizable difference in your commercial activity tax base. And as most should know, if if you're a quarterly taxpayer, your, your final 2020 cat return would have been due on February 10th. So if or when, I should say, this, this bill ends up being passed and you're allowed to exclude the BWC refunds from the CAT tax base, you should, you should amend uh, the appropriate returns for 2020, uh, file a refund claim if you report those gross receipts like, like you probably should have, and uh, claim those BWC refunds that you're entitled to. Yeah. A lot to keep track of and pay attention to for, for business owners out there. That's why you've got to make sure you've got an expert team like you and, and Joe and our, our SALT team because it's, it's, it's a lot to a lot of complex stuff. Let's talk a little bit about the individual side. I've seen some noise about these lawsuits that, you know, everybody, they, they kept their withholding basically wherever that, that their uh, business was, even though they may have been working from home or remotely, other, other things like that. And that was kept in place, I think, during this uh, time of emergency. But now there's some litigation uh, around that and people upset. Give us give us an overview of what, what that is and how that might impact things. Absolutely. So Ohio's current municipal withholding rule with the passing of House Bill 197, which provided emergency relief to Ohioans during the pandemic, this allows employees working from home to be treated as working at their quote-unquote principal place of work. So, you know, as an example of myself, even though I, I may work from home about 80% of the time now, I, I'm still treated as working in independence, whereas my, that's my home office. The rule pre-pandemic, for the most part, without getting too much into the weeds, was that employers were to withhold based on where the employee was actually working that day. Going back to the new rule, this new rule expires 30 days after the declaration of emergency um, from Governor DeWine is lifted, uh, which it has not yet. However, I believe the intention to the intention of this bill was to help employers. So it creates no income tax filing obligations or payroll withholding obligations where they otherwise wouldn't have them under normal circumstances. And it's certainly a benefit for an employer who maybe filed in only one municipality pre-pandemic. You know, if they, if they have everybody coming into, say, a location independence and they have 50 employees who live in 50, 50 different jurisdictions... But that's going to create you know, an absolute tax compliance nightmare for them, probably at, at one of the worst times that they could handle it. Now, my initial observation, like I said, was that this was done to primarily help employers. But as time has passed, and this is kind of what you brought up, getting more into detail, I've realized that it was likely done to help municipalities and probably more so your larger municipalities. In September, there was a, a report released by the Greater Ohio Policy Center, and that, re- and that report said that a repeal of the uh, new withholding rule as a result of House Bill 197 would be a quote-unquote mortal threat to the economic competitiveness of Ohio's largest cities. Wow. As, an exa- as an example, per that report, as of 2017, 75% of Cleveland's tax revenue came from individual income tax. And 88% of Columbus's income revenue came from individual income tax. So it is certainly a, a big problem that's out there right now. Yeah, I saw a quote from a couple of the large city mayors in Ohio say, you know, they 
they would almost immediately declare bankruptcy because of, you know, all, all of a sudden the lack of revenue. When you talk about those kind of percentages, it, it makes sense. So I don't know if there's some middle ground here or or what kind of traction. Do you have any insight uh, as to what, what you're hearing at all from the, at the state level? Well, well, first, first I'd like to kind of get into a little bit more detail about what exactly the problem is, just to make sure that, that everybody's aware of it. And I guess to start, Ohio's largest cities, they typically have a higher tax rate than most. So as an example, both Columbus and Cleveland, they tax your income at 2.5%. I believe it's well known that both of these cities have a large commuter base that come in from the suburbs on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Not to pick on Cleveland too much, big Cleveland fan, but uh, the latest information I was able to find is that their current resident population is around 380,000, whereas their daytime population is 593,000. So that means over 200,000 people are commuting to Cleveland uh, for work each day under normal circumstances. Now, uh, there's kind of two examples. The one is if, if an employee commutes to Cleveland from living in a township like myself with no municipal income tax, if I'm treated as working in Cleveland with that 2.5% tax rate, under this house bill, that I'm having 2.5% of my income taxed that wouldn't otherwise be taxed under normal circumstances. So quick math for somebody who makes a salary of 50000 a year, uh, that's $1,250, $1,250 that you're losing out on. And it's certainly been a tough year for, for most people. And that, that money can, can mean a lot to the individual. And then on the other side, I, I realize many people don't live in a township. However, the chances are you live in a suburb with, once again, still a lower tax rate than what you may be paying in, say, a, a Cleveland or Columbus, but and and or your suburb may not give you 100% tax credit for your taxes paid to Cleveland or Columbus. So even if you even if you don't live in a township and still living in a taxing municipality, there's a good chance you're losing out on money. Yeah, and if all of a sudden you know were ruled that those large uh, cities couldn't have that income tax, in essence, now it would really be a blow to their budgets, as as you were saying, you know. Yeah. I'm not sure what the answer is in, in terms of that. Obviously, it's been such an unusual situation, but but you got to be, you know, fair to the cities. We all rely on those those services that we, you know, where we're in those cities, myself in Columbus, for example, or, or yourself in, in Cleveland, you know, you can't not contribute to those. But yet, like you said, if you're at home 80% of the time, you know, is, is there some balance there? I, I don't know what the answer is. I'm far from Yeah, a, yeah. I, I really don't know what it's going to be at the end of the day. And of course, I'm not the first person to, to realize this. So as you were kind of hitting at, there have been a couple of bills introduced uh, for legis- legislation, but to my knowledge, they haven't gained much traction. There's also a few lawsuits out there questioning, you know, the constitutionality of this uh, House bill. I don't necessarily have a side because... You know, like you said, you know, for me, is 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 a you know thousand dollars worth maybe Cleveland not being able to pave the roads for a year. I, I don't know what that what that answer is, but regardless of the outcome, I, I do have trouble seeing. I, I would certainly probably prefer some sort of middle ground, but I do I do have trouble seeing how somebody won't end up getting the the short end of the stick, whether it's you know the employer or city side or or the employee side. Yeah, be. Something certainly we'll all be following. Let's let's pivot a little bit. Be in construction world as as I am. Gosh, it seems like there's more and more, you know, 
targeting from a state and local tax perspective of construction companies. And, and we have a number of clients that have received notices, all those types of things. I have a theory on that. I think one construction uh, certainly fared better than most other industries through this this time. And they're a, a little bit of an easier target because you know they've got equipment or vehicles or other stuff around and, and people might notice and say, you know, I wonder how they're doing their they're withholding and are they, you know, filing in all the the right jurisdictions and and all of that. Talk a little bit, maybe if you can, about what business owners should be on the lookout for in terms of enforcement and even deeper, maybe process and procedures and and all those kinds of things. Yeah. So, you know, like I kind of mentioned earlier, both, you know, both states and cities are are required to to balance their budgets, probably seeing an uptick in, in aggressiveness as a result of COVID. You know, like you said, the construction industry has probably fared pretty well, but there are certainly other industries that have not, unfortunately. So what, what these cities are doing is they're, they're probably looking for ways to, to balance that budget and, and meet their revenue goals. Some things that I, I predict happen behind the scenes, especially in construction, is you know, typically whenever you're, you're doing any sort of job in a municipality, you got to pull permits. So I, I think it's you know, as you know, cities update their their infrastructure. It should be pretty easy to, to cross reference. You know, permits pulled with taxpayers in the municipality. So we get a lot of those. You know, I would just say, you know, for the most part, if if you're in that sort of industry, really, uh, if you're going to do any work, any project in that municipality at all, you're at least going to have an income tax filing requirement. Maybe minimal. Maybe. maybe what some would believe to be more of a compliance hassle than what it's worth. But uh, at the end of the day, the, the laws are the laws. Less so on a payroll side. For payroll, Ohio does give you some, some relief in that if you have an employee in the city for under 20 days, then you don't need to worry about changing up withholding, but that doesn't change your income tax uh, filing obligations. Yeah. And better to be, as we always say, better safe than sorry. You know, Even if you're filing zero returns, maybe you've had activity there a couple of years ago, better to kind of keep that that chain uh, intact rather than create an issue and give more reason for them to to look at you, right? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and and one of the interesting things I always see with that is people tend to ignore it and say, ah, oh, you know, what's my risk? It's probably not that great, right? You know, so I'm not I'm not gonna worry about it. If if they catch me, they catch me and then I'll 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 deal with it. The Problem is we see, you know, as a lot of businesses are in the mode where they're thinking about either generational transfer or external transfer, some kind of transaction, and they've never evaluated that risk, that's a huge issue, right? Talk a little bit about some of the stuff you guys do around uh, those risk assessments. Yeah. So uh, like you said, very common to hear from business owners to, you know, for them to make a business decision and, and maybe at the time say, hey, you know, our exposure doesn't seem like it's too much. We'll, we'll pass on it. If they catch us, they catch us fine. But, you know, like you said, if, if you're looking to sell your business or or, to, or for business valuation, anybody doing their due diligence on the uh, the buy side of the transaction, they're going to be looking into those you know, potential obligations out there. And they're certainly going to deduct that and, and use that in negotiations against you. So if you're looking to sell or, or transfer, whatever it may be, very you know, a tip that I can that I can say is to reach out uh, to your tax preparer and perform a nexus study to one help you determine whether or not you have a filing obligation in any municipality or, or state, and then two a risk assessment to really kind of help quantify 
uh, what that exposure might be. And then from there, I, I think it really does help our clients make a, um, a much more informed business decision. Because if you realize you have an obligation, you can take action ahead of time and remediate a lot of that exposure. Yeah, I think it's awesome what you guys do and, and the stuff, the risk mitigation that that you've brought to the table for clients. I know even in construction, we've got folks that, you know, doing ESOPs, all those types of things. No matter what type of uh, transaction you're, you're going to have at some point, some type of transition, you want to know what your risk is, right? And the stuff that, that you guys can do in terms of that risk assessment and Nexus uh, study, it's it's just... Phenomenal. And I, I applaud you and the whole team for it. So it's, it's great to get you involved. So thanks for, for that. Well, Luke, it's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, I could, you know, we could spend a, an hour on this topic and, and go around to different things that will impact certainly individuals and, and our business owners uh, more importantly. So great stuff. I think the message for the day is pay attention, right? Communicate and get the right people involved because there's, there's just so much that you don't know as a business owner and you've got to get uh, get the right experts involved. So you, certainly agree. Yep. yep. Appreciate that. And thanks again, you and, and the entire team and always love working with you. So if you want more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.racecpa.com slash podcast. And while you're there, sign up for exclusive content and show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to Unsuitable on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to us right now, including YouTube. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance. 